This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 146, with Mark Lichtenfeld. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look how you can build your wealth with dividends. My guest today in this episode is Mark Lichtenfeld. Mark is the Chief Income Strategist of the Oxford Club. After getting his start on the trading desk at Carlin Equities, he moved over to Avalon Research Group as a senior analyst. Over the years, Mark's commentary has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and U.S. News and World Report, among others. Prior to joining the Oxford Club, he was the senior columnist at Jim Cramer's The Street. Today, he is a sought-after media guest who has appeared on CNBC, Fox Business, and Yahoo Finance. His book, Get Rich with Dividends, a proven system for double-digit returns, achieved bestseller status shortly after its release in 2012. It has since been published in multiple languages. Mark is a senior editor of the Oxford Income Letter, which is based on his proprietary 10, 11, and 12 system. He is also the editor of Oxford Systems Trader and Lightning Trend Trader. In addition, he is the only published financial analyst to ring announce world championship boxing and MMA fighting on HBO, Showtime, and ESPN. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MCLobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. You can support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron by visiting CashflowNinja.com forward slash support. Have you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at CashflowNinja.com forward slash private lending. Spartan Invest have a proven plan and system helping investors creating passive income and wealth through turnkey real estate ownership in the exciting market of Birmingham, Alabama. Find out why Birmingham has got it going on, why it's a steal right now, why it's a millennial hangout, a hidden gem, and one of the most exciting investment opportunities you have never heard of. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama, at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Spartan. 
I've spoken about the most powerful system on the planet, on the show, the banking system. And my firm, Valhalla Wealth Financial, helps people reclaim the banking function within their own lives through leveraging the premium tools and strategies of the wealthy. If you're interested in reclaiming the banking function within your own life and the infinite banking concept, you can access a free webinar presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Sure. So I had kind of a, an unconventional career trajectory, I guess you'd say. I, when I was in college, I had absolutely no interest in the stock market, uh, despite the fact that my grandfather owned a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. He had a, a brokerage called McMahon Lichtenfeld uh, back in the day. Uh, I actually wanted to be a sportscaster when I went to school. And uh, I studied communications and, and planned on doing that when I got out. And then when I had my first job uh, and finally had a little bit of money in my pocket, that's when I started getting interested in the market because I wasn't getting paid much. So I was looking for ways to make my money grow. And I started studying everything I could about the stock market. I became absolutely fascinated by it, obsessed with it, and really spent the next several years you know, reading everything I could. And don't forget, this was in the days before the internet. So I'd actually have to go to the library and, and I would sit there on Saturday afternoons and read things like value line and various, uh, you know, various materials. Um, and so eventually, uh, several years later, I decided to stop making my hobby. Uh, I, I decided to make my hobby my career. And, you know, I, I had zero experience other than sitting in the library and investing personally, but I found an opportunity. There was a proprietary trading firm that was right near my house where I was living and they needed an assistant on the trading desk. So I went in there and gave them my resume and, uh, you know, I had zero shot of getting a job because I had no experience. And so the guy politely said, okay, well, you know, we'll call you if we're interested. So I could tell that they, they needed somebody immediately. And so this is, I think on a, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday. And I said, well, how about this? How about I stay, enter the trades for you guys for the week. And then if on Friday, uh, you don't think I did a good job, tell me not to come back on Monday. And so I did that. And, uh, on, on Friday they said, I want you to come back on Monday. So that was my, my first job, uh, in the markets was working on a trading desk, which was an amazing introduction to to learning about the markets and you know, having traders barking orders at me all day because I actually had to execute their trades for them. Um, so that that was that was the start, and then uh, I had a couple other jobs in the business, and then and the thing that that really uh, was kind of a career changer or a, a, a career altering. Uh, experience for me was when I was hired as a sell side analyst for a very contrarian firm called Avalon Research Group, and uh, got my Series eighty six license, which is, you had to had to be licensed to be an analyst and publish. And I, I just happened to I've gotten very lucky in that I found this firm and they took a chance on me, and I was trained by, in my opinion, one of the greatest contrarian investors. Uh, in, in recent decades, uh, research directors named David Hines and just really taught me to question kind of everything that I was seeing from a company and 
learning how to zig when everybody else was zagging. And, and that, that's become actually a, a fundamental principle of how I invest is, is being very contrarian and going against the grain. So from there, I ended up um, at the Oxford Club, where I've been for 10 years. I'm now the chief income strategist and uh, focus on dividend investing, dividend growth companies. And a side note, too, something that's very interest, uh, interesting besides your remarkable background uh, in the financial markets is that you're also an announcer for, yeah. the bo- for boxing and mixed martial arts. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, kind of a weird little side job. I've been a, a boxing fan since I was a kid and was just doing some freelance writing basically to get into the fights for free uh, you know, many, many years ago. And I've always wanted to be an announcer, as I, I mentioned earlier. I, I wanted to be a sportscaster. And one day I just asked a promoter, if you ever need somebody to ring an ounce a fight, let me know. And completely out of the blue, six months later, he called and said, I've got a show on ESPN. Do you want it? And of course I did. And, uh, you know, after that, I, I hustled quite a bit to get jobs. Uh, and I worked really, really hard to make connections in the industry. And uh, I've been very lucky. I've done big fights. I'm, I've done many shows on HBO, Showtime, and ESPN. So it's, it's kind of my, uh, my little side thing on, on weekends that keeps me out of trouble. Oh, that's awesome. What was one of the biggest fights that, uh, that you announced? Uh, the biggest fight that I did was uh, Chad... Dawson versus Glenn Johnson. It was for uh, the light heavyweight championship. It was on HBO, and uh, it was uh, you know, prime time, and it was uh, uh, just uh, in front of Dawson's home crowd. So it was a, a you know, really big vocal crowd. It was it was a blast, absolutely a blast. Awesome. Well, changing gears again, back into the investment sphere, um, Mark. What is kind of your philosophical approach to investments? Um, and uh, trading in general? Well, for long-term investing, I'm I'm a big proponent of dividend growth companies for a variety of reasons. One, uh, perhaps most importantly, is that these are stocks that have outperformed uh, the market almost over any time period that you look at. I think the dot-com boom was the one time where the dividend growth companies didn't outperform. Uh, but generally speaking, they do. Uh, they're, they tend to be safer in that they, the valuations tend to be a little bit lower. So when the market does correct or hit a bear market, they typically don't fall as far. Uh, you do get that income, uh, and, and that income goes up every year. So you're keeping up with and usually beating inflation. And uh, they tend to be mature uh, safer companies. So, you know, you, you can certainly get some explosive growth out of, out of you know, new technology companies and biotech companies, but that growth comes with risk. So for the serious long-term investor who's not trying to hit home runs, but just trying to steadily grow their wealth, uh, I'm a very, very big proponent of dividend growth companies. Uh, when it comes to trading, uh, it depends on the timeline. I, I'm, I one one thing I didn't mention when I was kind of talking about my background is is I do have a background in both technical analysis and fundamental analysis. I actually started off as a as a technical analyst and believing that the charts told you everything you need to know. Then when I became an analyst with Avalon Research, that's when I really understood the importance of fundamentals. So for the long term investing. Uh, I'm a very big believer in fundamentals. And, and if you're looking at, at owning a stock for five or 10 years, I, I don't think the charts are quite as important, except for 
perhaps maybe, you know, if you see a stock is in a, in a downtrend, then maybe you wait a little bit. But when it comes to trading, I, I do look at the charts uh, pretty strongly. I still want to have a company with good fundamentals, but I do look at the charts and uh, try to pick my spots that way. And, and the charts aren't crystal balls, but they give you a good idea of your your risk to reward, your uh, basically when what it, what it looks like when the picture shifts. You know, if you have a stock that's in an uptrend and you get in and then it breaks that trend, something has changed. And so you can see that visually, that, that something in the, in the price action has changed. And, and so that might be a spot to get out. Um, and the other thing that, that I strongly believe in with trading is you set a stop when you enter the trade and you honor those stops. You can always raise them as the stock goes higher. And, and I advocate that strongly too. But you never, you, you never take off your stop. And as the stock is getting closed, and go, well, I, I think it's going to bounce because the reason you put in the stop is so that you're not trading emotionally. And it's it's very selling is the most difficult thing in the world, whether you're up or down. And so the stop takes the emotion out of that uh, that decision. Uh, and, and emotion is, is is the biggest enemy of a trader. So. I'm a very big advocate of using stops when you enter the trade. And that all comes down to a system. And the backbone of that system is obviously a checklist. Can you share a little bit about your checklist, uh, just what you draw on for making decisions and basing uh, buy or sell or trades from? Sure. And so for trades, it's, it's a little bit different depending on, again, my time frame and uh, basically what the what the goal of perhaps the uh, trading service that I run or, or if it's a trade for myself. Um, but it usually for a, a short-term trade, it usually comes down to the charts. It's usually I'm looking for a breakout. Uh, there are certain patterns that I, I tend to really like, like bull flags, uh, cup and handles. And, and basically I'm, I'm, it's usually a stock I've been watching for a while that's kind of been basing or consolidating a little bit. And then there's a breakout on, heavy volume. And at that point, that's when I'll jump in and set my stop usually a little bit below that breakout. Because again, if it comes back down below uh, that that consolidation level or where it was just kind of treading water, then I know that the breakout most likely is a false breakout or, or again, that picture has changed a little bit. So for the short-term stuff, it, it is very technically based. For the longer-term investments, particularly with dividend growth stocks, are, there are several things that I look for. Um, among the most important is a payout ratio. Uh, that's typically most people look at a payout ratio as the dividends paid divided by earnings. I look instead of earnings, I look at cash flow because cash flow is, is a more accurate representation of the company's business, the company's performance, and most importantly, the amount of cash that the company actually brought in the door because earnings have all kinds of non-cash items and, and you know, depreciation and amortization and uh, stock-based compensation that when you see that a company earned $100 million or $2 per share, there's all these non-cash items in there. And so it's not a, a real accurate representation. When you hear that a company's free cash flow was $100 million, that means $100 million cash came in the door. So I want to see that a company, if they're paying out, uh, let's say, 
$50 million in dividends, I want to know that they're generating at least $50 million in cash flow and, and preferably a lot more than that. So generally speaking, I want to see a payout ratio based on cash flow of 75% or less. And that gives me the confidence the company can pay the dividend, they can raise the dividend, and they can continue to do so even if they have a, an off year or so. Um, and then I also want to see cash flow growth, uh, both historically, I want to see those cash flow numbers going up, and I want to see that in the future that the uh, projections are that cash flow are going to continue to increase. Um, I, you know, I like companies with healthy balance sheets. I, I will take a look at a company that, that has debt on its, on its uh, balance sheet if they have a long history of paying and raising the dividends. That's another thing that I look very closely at. Uh, I love companies with long track records of paying the dividend and raising the dividend because when a company has been raising the dividend for 10, 15, 20, 30 years or more, they've really set the bar pretty high and they've trained shareholders to expect that that dividend is going up every year. And if it doesn't go up, even, even if they don't cut it, if they just, let's say they've been raising the dividend every year for 20 years, and then the next year they just keep the dividend at the same level, investors are going to start asking questions. It, it sends a message that something has changed here. Kind of like when I was talking about with the charts where you can you know, visibly see something has changed. After 20 years of raising the dividend in a row, if you suddenly don't raise the dividend, that sends a very clear message that something has changed. So uh, management will often do whatever they can to continue to be able to raise that dividend uh, and, and, and keep that bar kind of set at a very high level. So the track record, the cash flow growth, and the payout ratio are three key things that I look at for my dividend growth companies. Now, you've written a book called Get Rich with Dividends, a proven system for earning double-digit returns. Can you share a couple of strategies around these dividends uh, that you shared in your book with my listeners? Sure. So I created something uh, that I call the 10, 11, 12 system for the book. And then actually, it's, it's also the basis of my newsletter, the Oxford Income Letter. But basically what it is, is it's a, a model for generating 11% yields within 10 years or 12% average annual total returns over 10 years if you're reinvesting the dividends on the, the 12%. The 11%, you don't have to reinvest the dividends. That's The 11% goal is for people who are collecting the income today. The 12% average annual total returns are for people who are reinvesting the dividends. So basically what it comes down to is finding companies that have a high enough starting yield and high enough uh, projected dividend growth uh, coupled with an assumption that the market is going to go, the stock is going to go up uh, the same amount as the historical average of the S&P 500 over the last 50 years, which is about 7.6%. So we're, we're not assuming any, any giant outperformance here. Uh, we're just assuming over 10 years it's just going to track the historical performance of the S&P. So if you have a stock that has a high enough starting yield and dividend growth, then you should be able to return uh, the, at 12% annually over 10 years if you're reinvesting the dividends or that dividend should climb up to an 11% yield within 10 years. And what's nice about that is you know, if you're getting 11% yield in 10 years, uh, you know, unless we hit some very, very high inflation, 
you are increasing your buying power significantly over time. And, uh, and obviously 12% average annual total returns, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it triples your money in 10 years with, with really a one-time investment. Uh, and obviously, if you add to that investment over time, your, your money will grow even more. But I like the idea of, of you know of that one-time investment and just leaving it alone for ten years. And uh, a decade later, you've tripled your money after you know, really not doing anything. You're listening to Mark Lichtenfeld on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. You're listening to Mark Lichtenfeld on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. A very big part of any system and strategies uh, is the ability to manage the downside and risk management. Now, you have pointed to a stop. Can you share a little bit more of these risk management strategies with my listeners? Sure. So the stops that we use are typically for, uh, for trades, for a little bit more active trading. Uh, and in my newsletter, I have the instant income portfolio, which is for the investors who need the income today. And I do have a stop strategy there because for the investors who need the income today, they usually can't, can't risk uh, a dramatic uh, downturn. Uh, you know, very often they, they need that principle to be there for them. For the people who are reinvesting their dividends, they typically have a lot longer time horizon. So I actually don't use a stop for people who are investing for the real long term who are compounding their wealth over time because I don't want to see people stopped out of a position just because the market went bad. If the company is still performing, if the company is still generating cash flow and still raising the dividend every year. So if you, if you have a situation like we saw during the financial crisis in 2000 seven, eight, nine, you know, there were plenty of companies that continued to raise the dividend during that period. Uh, and, and there was nothing, you know, really wrong with the company other than the economy went soft. And so perhaps their business wasn't quite as robust, but there, there weren't, you know, real fundamental problems with those individual companies. And when that happens, when, when stocks tank and you're reinvesting the dividend, uh, you know, in the book, I talk about a bear market can be your best friend because you're buying, you know, you get that dividend, you're, you're buying more shares. Well, now the stock price is down. That means you get to buy even more shares, which kick out more dividends, which allows you to buy even more shares, which spins off even more dividends and et cetera, et cetera. And so the compounding machine really kind of goes into overdrive in a bear market and allows you to accumulate a lot more shares and compound your wealth even faster. Uh, so I, I, for the investor that's invested for 10 years or longer and reinvesting those dividends, uh, I don't recommend a stop. Now, if something has changed at the company, if they you know, cut the dividend, if, uh, if the business is, is drying up and, and there's some real changes, then yes, absolutely, you get out of the stock. But for those companies where they're just getting caught up in a bear market because everything is, is down, which typically happens in a bear market, 
uh, then that's the time to, to really stay the course. It's, it's tough. It's certainly not easy to hang on to stocks when you have a, a major downdraft like we had in 2008, but it's, it's the best thing that can happen to you. So, you know, imagine if you had bought stocks in 2004, 5, 6, and the market tanks, and now you're reinvesting all those dividends in 2008 and 9, and, and even all the way up to today, you, you'd have done phenomenally well. So uh, for, for someone who, who has that long time horizon, you know, and, and are reinvesting dividends, you, know, you should be praying for bear markets every so often to really accelerate the number of shares you have that will generate even more income down the road. No, very, very interesting. What is your what is your take currently on the global economy and markets, and what do you see happening for the rest of 2017? And also, what opportunities do you see out there currently? Are there certain sectors that uh, that is just screaming opportunity for you? Um, you know, I'm I'm not seeing any specific sector that's screaming opportunity. You know, we're we're in a very mature bull market. Valuations are a little bit stretched. So what I've been focusing on last really year or so is, is finding these, these very contrarian ideas and trying to find companies that have really been beaten up that have a good shot at turning themselves around. And you know, one of the reasons for that is, is that's where you can find yield these days. You know, one of the things I have to do for my readers is, is try to find decent dividend yields. Well, you know, if, if the stock has gone straight up for the last seven or eight years, even if they've raised their dividend very often because the, the stock price is higher, the yield is, is nothing too exciting. Uh, you know, even, even some of the, the big pharma companies that a few years ago were paying four and a half, five percent yields are now 3% and below. So when you are investing in a, in a stock that's a turnaround story, that's you know, got a little bit of hair on it, chances are the, the yield is a little bit higher. Uh, because the stock price is, is lower. And, and keep in mind, these are companies that haven't necessarily cut their dividends or even you know, continued to raise them. So uh, that's, that's really what I've been looking for. Uh, you know, there, there seems to be a little bit more of that in retail and, and consumer, uh, you know, consumer goods and, and consumer services, but really I'll, I'll kind of go anywhere. I mean, I was looking at energy when, when oil you know, plummeted and, and was down at $30 a barrel. Um, you know, I was looking at healthcare after Hillary's tweets sent, uh, sent some of those stocks tanking uh, back during the campaign. Um, so that's kind of where I'm, I'm looking as opposed to any, any sectors because I'm, 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 I'm having a hard time finding decent valuation right now because, you know, we are in a bull market that, that started in, uh, in what, 2009. So it's tough to find. It's tough to find good value these days. If, if there is if there is a good value, there's a reason for it. It's, it's because there's either something wrong with the company, or it's perceived that there's something wrong with the company. But that's also where you can make great money, not just on the yield side, but if you get into the right situation uh, and the company does turn itself around, uh, there's there's big money to be made. An example. Uh, from the recent past for me was I had recommended Darden uh, a while back, a few years ago. And they're the owners of Olive Garden and a few other restaurant chains. And back when I recommended them, I, the yield was right around 5%. And everybody, you know, Olive Garden was a, a, a laughing stock. It was a punchline. And traffic was down. And, and just the company was a disaster. They had a terrible CEO. Eventually, they kicked the CEO out. 
They were able to turn the business around. Cash flow improved. Uh, they actually spun off uh, one of the real estate, uh, the, the real estate business into a, a separate REIT. And, and Darden is one of the best performing restaurant chains uh, in the country right now, or Olive Garden and the other chains that Darden owns are, are doing very, very well. The stock uh, has rewarded as big time. So that's a perfect example of the kind of company that I'm trying to find right now. Very interesting, Mark. One of the ha- one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Um, well, I'm always trying to improve my fundamental analysis, uh, you know, looking at uh, 10Ks and, and 10Qs. Uh, there, there's a, a ton you can learn. It's, they're some of the most, <laughs> they're some of the driest documents you can ever you can never imagine, and there's full of, of legalese, but um, when you, you dig into them, besides for just the financials, there's all kinds of information you can learn about a company. I mean, I've, I've seen things where, uh, you know, management discloses that they have, they've sponsored the president of the company's uh, son's auto racing team and given him, paid for, driving lessons for this president's son. Um, so studying 10 K's and 10 Q's, you can really learn a lot about management, uh, and kind of how they perceive their role, what they're doing as far as their fiduciary, uh, responsibility and and how they manage shareholders capital. Uh, so I'm always, always trying to improve those skills. And then really what I I try to do, I'm always doing a postmortem, particularly on any investments or trades that didn't work out. Um, because that's where, really where you learn. And so if something doesn't work, I'll go back. I'll kind of look at, you know, the reasons that I got into the trade or the investment in the first place um, and kind of go along that timeline and say, okay, where, where did things change? Did I not react quick enough? What did I miss? What, you know, could I have done better? Um, so that's, that's always uh, something I'm trying to do is, is learn from those mistakes because I, I really hate making mistakes. They're inevitable. You obviously cannot win every trade. Uh, or investment, but uh, I really hate it when that happens. So I, I'm trying to do everything I can to minimize that. No, very interesting. A core message in our show too is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them, to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Start investing early because the earlier you invest, the better off you can be and the less pressure you have. The, the, one of the, the greatest lessons I learned and I, and I got so lucky, I just happened to stumble across it when I was 22 years old. I read a statistic that back then the maximum you could put into an IRA was $2,000 and the statistic I read was if, if you put $2,000 a year into your IRA starting at 21 and do it until you're 31 and stop, you'll have more money at 65 than if you start at 31 and invest all the way up until 65. And that made a huge impression on me. Um, and then as I started doing the work for my book uh, and, and seeing the compounding machine at works, I created these large Excel spreadsheets to see kind of how, how the formula would work, you know, each year and, and the amount that it would add to the, the nest egg. 
the further out you get, the more years you can let it compound, it, the numbers really become amazing. And, and, and it's kind of hard to see because those first, you know, five, seven, eight years, the compounding happens slowly. But once you start getting to eight years, 10 years, the numbers start to grow. And if you can do it for 20, 30, 40 years, they, they really become staggering. Uh, you know, I've, I've met people, one of my dad's good friends uh, was a teacher, you know, never made big money, but he lives like he wants to live. He's 90 years old now doesn't worry about money because he invested in these dividend growth companies his entire life. And, you know, doesn't live like a king. He doesn't have a huge house. He doesn't have a fancy car. doesn't go on, you know, world cruises, but he doesn't worry about going on vacation. He doesn't worry about going out to dinner when he wants to. He really doesn't have money problems. And he attributes it all to investing this way when he started, you know, in his thirties and forties. Um, so that's a, a very, very key aspect is, is invest early and let it compound. Don't, you know, don't overtrade. If you're invested for the long term and you're in quality investments, let them run. You know, you can rebalance if you need to, but let these investments and let the time work their magic because that's where, that's where, that's how you, that's how you get rich, basically investing. Everybody would love to get rich quickly uh, and, and invest a little bit of money and a few years later have a ton of money. You can get lucky that way, or you can be an exceptionally skilled trader, but for most people, they're going to get rich slowly. But the, the, the key to remember is this really does work. So if you do invest for the long term, you will make money if you're doing it right. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, um, you know, you really you, you don't want to overtrade and do too much because the more times you trade, the more times you change your investments, um, chances are you're doing it on emotion. Chances are you're making a mistake. Uh, you're kind of cutting yourself off at the knees. It'd be very easy in 2008 as things are tanking to go, you know what, I'm getting out of the market. I'm going to wait for things to get better. And then, you know, in March 2009, let's say, when the market bottomed, nobody was putting their money into the market in March 2009. It was too scary. And I know people today that still haven't put their money back because they were so scared. Um, so, if you know, what I'm trying to say is that if you leave your money in the market for the long term, you're going to be fine, even if markets tank, even if we hit nasty bear markets. The only time the markets didn't go up over the over 10-year periods in history were if you took your money out right in the middle of the great depression and right in the middle of the great recession. So even if you took your money out, if you invest in 2001 and then took it out in 2010, kind of having, you know, bared the brunt of, of the great recession, you still made money, not a lot, but you still made money. So you really, you, you have to have historically bad timing to not make money in the markets over 10 years. Uh, so obviously you can tell that, that, that my main mantra is invest for the long term, be patient and, and, and don't do too much. Just, you know, don't overtrade, just kind of let it go. Mark, how can my audience learn more about you, uh, all of the projects that you're involved with, the Oxford club investment, you, your newsletters, uh, and just stay in touch with you. Sure. So you can find everything uh, at OxfordClub.com, www.OxfordClub.com. And they have all the information on me as, as well as all the our other editors and products. And, and again, my newsletter is called the Oxford Income Letter. 
And then you can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Stocks and Boxing. Stocks and then the letter N, like Nancy, Stocks and Boxing. So I, I talk, I do talk mostly about stocks, but uh, every once in a while I'll, I'll comment on the boxing too. No, that's great. And thank Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Keep up the great work, by the way. Thank you. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Thank you for joining my guest, Mark Lichtenfeld, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gushku newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. When you become a patron for 12 months, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinopsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. Creating passive income for you and your family is easier than you think. All you need are three things. The right plan, the right product, and the right turnkey provider. As an investor, you want a safe, profitable, and convenient way to invest your capital without being at the mercy of stock market fluctuation. Investing in real estate in a turnkey way that provides monthly passive income with very low risk is exactly what Spartan Invest provides for their clients. Their mission is to make investing in real estate easy for the busy professional. Spartan Invest help investors create passive income and wealth through turnkey ownership in Birmingham, Alabama. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama, at cashflowninja.com forward slash Spartan.
the wealthiest families on the planet know how to capture their wealth and then leveraging their wealth through their own banking system. If you're interested in privatized banking and the infinite banking concept and learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cash Flow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.